0: I'm going to ask for your, your extended patience this morning. Uh, our title today for the whole service is There is Life in the Body of Christ, and that's why we began celebrating uh, our calling and our commitment as the body of Christ. What I want to do first is have us engage in some more responsive reading. There's something powerful. Some of you I'm beginning to hear, I'm beginning to hear individual reports and some rumblings. I've nudged you to read your Bibles out loud. I've, I've nudged you to do that. And uh, it's. I know we're trained from early childhood to read, read, you know, don't move your lips, don't do that, just kind of keep it in your head, to speed read. And there's certain cognitive uh, uh, value to that. But there is, uh, there is something very uh, sacred, spiritual, and powerful, when, but when you read the Word of God, when you read the scriptures aloud and you engage more of your senses, you will find more things happening there 's a reason why Paul writes that when, when he writes to his, his youngers, to Timothy and Titus, one of the things that he instructs these young leaders to do is to devote themselves to the public reading of scripture. Yes, one of the reasons of that for that is. As literacy at the time wasn't as widespread, but it wasn't just for literacy's sake. It was for uh, there was, there's for life's sake. There's life in the reading of the scriptures. So, And I think it's entirely appropriate that we, as our, in our time of worship, that we read the Bible out loud together. How, how about that? Now, and aren't you proud of me for not saying, and for some of you, it's the only Bible you'll read this week. I wouldn't say something like that. I would never say something so... We are the body of Christ. <laughs> that was just the introduction. Uh, so again, you'll see on the screen italics. I'll read and then you'll follow. You ready? Here we go. This is from 1 Corinthians 12. For we are, for we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Let's read. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Ephesians chapter 4, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. By the way, if you're if you're newer to Heritage, occasionally I get distracted and I need to talk to somebody in church. And if you don't want to be loved, you probably should find somewhere else to go. <laughs> Judy, I've been thinking about you for weeks, and I've been wondering how you are. I haven't seen you because you're not a social mediaite. I'm glad to see your face. Yeah. Let well, just, Pastor, he likes people. I'm out of here. <laughs> <sighs> just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, you can, of course, say amen to the Bible. That's just fine. (laughs) Ephesians 2. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ. Excluded from the citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, for he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting it aside in his flesh, the law with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. <laughs> consequently, Ephesians 2 continuing, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Together now. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises. Stop, 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 stop. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Hebrews 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For He who promised is faithful. Together, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Still talking about the body. Let's do this all together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Stop. Everyone say within us. us. Say us. Us. Say it again. To him be glory in the church. Where? Where? And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here's where we're going rogue. In John chapter 13, in the it's the beginning of the the Paraclete passages, and uh, the the Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. And in that upper room, we know that's where we we have uh, we we are the we are told about, we are taught, we are given. One of the sacraments of the church, which is the Lord's table, which we will observe here in just a few moments. But there was something else that happened in the upper room. We have two sacraments essentially in the church that we observe. We I think in our movement, our fellowship, we call them ordinances, because we're afraid of being Roman Catholic or something, but uh. but they're sacraments they are. They are sacred expressions, and there is a grace on them. They are, they are baptism in water, which is a, a physical act with spiritual significance and substance to it. And we have the Lord's table, which is a physical act which has spiritual significance and substance to it. But historically, there is a third. (laughs) There is a third sacrament that some practice regularly, few practice occasionally, and many don't practice at all. That's okay. Nobody's getting upset, but let's just look at it for a minute. Water baptism carries certain vertical significances. It, it is. It's an expression of, of conscience between me and the Lord. And yet, it is. It all of these sacraments include an element of the body. They affirm water baptism. I'm not just identifying with Christ, belonging to Him, but I'm 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 identifying that I'm being baptized. I'm coming into the the, the community, the body of Christ. And 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 likewise, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. I'm remembering what Christ has done, but I'm also remembering that I am a part of the. But each of, those are, they, each of those, if they have an emphasis, they have primarily a vertical, primarily a, a vertical emphasis. But this, there's another one that has a primarily horizontal, primarily lateral, person to person, brother to sister, sister to brother, brother to brother emphasis. We set, we, and listen to it carefully. John chapter 13, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Listen now. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Different different nuances of that means he loved them completely, or he loved them to the end of the line, or he loved them to completion. He loved them to the very maximum degree of affection. So, verse 4, so what did he do? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Understanding that to the, to wash the feet would have been to take on the role of the lowest of the servants in the house and it was an it was an it would have it would have uh, it, there was it was an honorific way but only the it was the, the person who was the lowest was doing something for someone above them that's why john the baptist said he wasn't even worthy to untie the straps of jesus feet He's saying, I'm not even worthy. So what Jesus does is he models honoring his, his disciples. He takes on the role of a servant to express honor, and it's described as loving them. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then there's a brief interlude of interaction, but, but, but the, the conclusion of this is Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, that's a command that's universal, it's applicative, it means that we love one another. But in the, con- the context of that command is Jesus humbling himself and showing honor to those around the table. And so this act of, of, uh, of washing someone's feet is, uh, I would say it's a sacrament. It is something, a tradition that was handed to us by our Lord to give us a way, like water baptism and like communion, to give us a way to express honor in a way that is louder than words. It does something. It communicates what, when our words fail, it communicates. It is a, it is a representation of what, of Christ himself taking upon the lowest act of, of service, not only to wash our feet, but to die for us. But in dying for us, as my friend Michael will say over and over again as he travels and, and goes across the, the, the continent to tell, to tell the abandoned, you're valuable, and your value is measured by what someone paid. And so this act... This act is a way, it's a sacrament that is worship, and yet what it actually is is a way to say to someone else, a way to say to uh, a brother, a sister in Christ, a way to say to them, You have value, I honor you, and I. I want to humble myself in a way that expresses that honor. Our world's on fire. There are communities... There are communities in our own country, our own region who are inflamed with an awareness of their own of pain that they have endured political conflict ethnic friction and conflict and there's been a lot of speeches and a lot of statements and a lot of hashtags and a... I thought lord what can i say without jumping on one bandwagon or another bandwagon or without just overly identifying with, without wanting, to, without wanting your word to be hijacked with it by any, anyone with an agenda what can I do Lord? what can I say Lord? what can I do? I've got to do something I've got to say something and all I saw was this this wash the feet communicate honor humble yourself and say you have honor now, I've arranged this by, so don't think that I'm humiliating anyone, at least, not, at least not in a way that I want to hurt them. <sighs> Andrew, would you please come, my friend? I'm going to ask you not to do anything silly like, don't selfie this up. Just keep this sacred, okay? I've asked Andrew, and if, buddy, if you want to just take those size 15 shoes off. <laughs> I've asked Andrew to come and let me wash his feet today, and and it wasn't easy for him to say yes. It's not a comfortable thing. But, Andrew, first of all, those are gorgeous feet. (laughs) But, Andrew, you are, you represent a community this is not warm, Andrew. you represent a community that that even though I grew up in a in a context where no one even fathomed the idea that honor honor would be attached to the presence or absence of melanin in anyone's skin that what I what all I can say is that uh I am I honor you. <clears throat> I honor you and the the community of folks that you represent and may there be healing May there be healing and may there be hope I could have a few more moments of your patience our world is on fire and people are angry I know it's not the same but it Brian I've known Brian since he was 15 years old he's been with me this whole time and he's always just expressed a call of God in his life and Always served in the church 24-7, even got a a seminary degree. But he began to get really restless in his early early twenties. And he said, I've got to do something about justice. I've got to do something for justice. Finally he recognized that the Lord was calling him to serve in law enforcement. And Brian, you represent a community of people who are also in pain and are struggling. just want to express to you as a representative, we just want to say we honor you. In Jesus' name.
1: SING! covers me with destiny. It's making all things right. The precious blood of Christ. It's rewriting my history.
0: When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in chapter 11 and beginning at verse 17, you need to hear his um, his introduction is a bit of a correction, but in the correction there is instruction for us. He says, in the following directives, I have no more praise for you for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. and To some extent, I believe it. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you you despise the church of God by humiliating those? Who have nothing now. That again, that's a that's quite a confrontation, quite a correction. But let's let's listen to some of the principled instruction that we we hear there. In verse 17, he says, Your meetings have done more harm than good. In other words, our meeting, we are supposed to meet for good, that heaven. Has intended the meeting of the saints for to do good. Verse 18, he says, When you come together as a church. In other words, the church is supposed to exist together. The church is a group of connected people who share, who 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 gather together in a shared sacred proximity verse 28, he 20 he says it again when you come together and then in verse 22 he says something interesting he actually says he says what your homes versus the church now he's not disparaging our homes our homes are sacred places they are they are our, our first place of worship and ministry our homes are our first place of worship and ministry and yet even though that is true he still draws a distinction between our homes and the gathered community. He is not disparaging the home. He is distinguishing the church. So when we celebrate communion, then, as he's talking about the Lord's table, the Lord's table, then, we understand in the context of this passage, is is an expression, it is an exercise of the gathered community. It is a spiritual act that remembers Christ's body and reminds us also that we are his body. So babe, could I have a... You got one for me? So in this act, and we we supplied these little self-contained wafers so that you don't feel nervous about, if you're here today, sticking your hand in a bowl of crackers that everybody else has. But when we celebrate this, We are doing two things. We are remembering Christ's body and reminding us that we are his body. Paul continues. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, or the new covenant purchased by my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Listen to verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in this act, the Lord's table, Whenever we do this, we are doing something more than just this. We are remembering all that Christ has done. We are remembering his sacrifice. We are remembering the total sufficiency and power of his payment for us. We are remembering that we are redeemed. We are remembering that we have been brought near. We are remembering that he was broken for our wholeness. We are remembering, as Paul says, we are actually remembering and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is coming again. We are honoring what Christ has done. We honor what he has done through gratitude, through faith, and consecration. And furthermore, we are doing this, we are honoring him by remembering but we are also honoring him by doing this in a way that honors him. That's what he, Paul picks this up in verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Don't hear that as being saying whoever does this and isn't worthy. You, no, that's not what he said. You, you couldn't make yourself worthy. But you can approach this time in a manner that is inconsistent, that doesn't recognize, that is, that is unworthy of what you're doing. And there are two ways. Two ways that historian scholars tell us that, that Paul has at least two things in mind. Number one, that we, don't rec- we do it without recognizing the sacredness, the power, the sacrifice of Christ. That this is not just... This is not Sunday snack time, but this is, this is us remembering and believing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took upon himself the sin of the world, that he entered into our pain and into our brokenness, not just to identify us uh, with us in it, but to redeem us from it and to bring us into, into healing. He entered into our defeat so that we could enter into his victory. He took upon Himself our sins so that we could take upon ourselves His righteousness. And He became broken so that we might become whole. Approach it worthily. But also, the context clearly, Paul is concerned that as they're gathering, that they've missed out that this body, this this thing that we're celebrating, reminds us in a sacred and powerful way that we belong to one another because we belong to Christ. We belong to each other. Jesus Christ has destroyed the wall of hostility and friction, and because of his measureless, matchless love and forgiveness toward us, we take on that attitude toward one another. Church, on. we must Come be on. the epicenter of right. healing Come and on. peace. Come on. Come on. We must be. If we are not, the world is lost. Amen. Yes. So let us stir up and fan in into flame, the, the, the gift of Christ's peace. And let us do everything we can to protect the unity of the bond of the the Spirit, the bond of peace. We rightly honor Him by profoundly honoring one another. And He says in verses 27 through 32, He said, those who haven't, haven't, Approach the table of the Lord in a worthy manner. Have have consumed? They've eaten and drink in judgment. Some of them, he said. Some of you have have gotten sick and even fallen asleep, meaning you've gotten sick and died. You have forfeit. You have forfeit the life that is available here. There's a mystery there, but it's powerful. But once again, if 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 by approaching this in an unworthy manner, we can experience discipline or even miss out on life, then by approaching it in a worthy manner, we know this, there is life in his body. If we will remember what Christ has done and remember who we are because of it, with gratitude and consecration, then we can receive life today. There can be life in this body, and you can be the life and the light of the world. So would you take this wafer, please, as we begin to close today? The last thing Paul says in verse 33, So then, brothers and sisters, when you could gather together to eat, you should all eat together. You should all do this together, reminding us that we are one body. So with this wafer, Lord, we give thanks for the broken body of Jesus Christ, that your body was broken for us, for our wholeness, for our redemption, and our healing, to make us one. We give thanks today in Jesus name. Let's receive that together. And Lord, we re- we hold this little cup of juice in our hands today. And we know that it is to us a a symbol, a spiritual symbol of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, forgiving us of our sin, sending our sin away, but drawing us near. Paul says, and through his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption and forgiveness. I'll say it again clearly. You, hear me carefully, you aren't forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. Right. To be forgiven means to be cut off and sent away. I don't think anybody in here wants the Lord to cut you off and send you away. Your sin is forgiven. You are redeemed.
1: Right. Come on.
0: That's right. And that is the power of the blood of Jesus. Let's take it together with thanks.
1: For it reaches, through yes, it does. The highest mountain, it's unstoppable, and it flows to the You can't stop. Valley. There's no power like the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood that, that gives, gives. me strength from, from day. day.
0: The service to a close this morning reminding you that next week everybody gets to come home yeah. come on. Come on. next week three service opportunities spread out enjoy them test test take one out for a test drive but today I urge you in the name of Jesus Christ to as you go be kind to one another and steward your calling Your commitment to be salt and light and healing and peace to this world. The Lord bless you.